reading from St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and promised to this man, whose name means that the Lord remembers, promised that the Lord would remember both him and his wife, who in their old age had no child. And so Elizabeth, whose name means my God, has sworn an oath Elizabeth conceived, and at the end of the story, at the end of our reading from last week, Elizabeth says these beautiful words. She says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. Reproach is a word that we don't use too often, and it is really one of the focuses of Luke chapter 1. It's in fact a focus throughout the scriptures. Psalm 69, which is, a psalm that is quoted most often in the New Testament. Psalm 69 is all about reproach, the disgrace and shame that God's people bear because the world does not love God. The reproaches of you have fallen on me. That's what David says in that psalm. He says that because people despise God, they have also despised his servants. They've looked down on them. They've thought them shameful and lowly. They've thought them fools for trusting in a God like the Lord. In fact, that is perhaps the most shameful, most reproachful thing, is to have been found a fool, to have been taken in, to have been duped. Perhaps you know what that's like, to have been taken advantage of, to do something without witting, without knowing what you're doing, and then later to regret it. That is what it is, to suffer reproach. It's to be ashamed, which is, as you all know, an incredibly powerful thing. 
Our world, our current modern world, likes to imagine that shame and reproach are not so powerful. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Nothing could be worse than suffering the worst kinds of reproach. It's what leads people to despair. When others look down on you and think little of you and despise you and hold you to task for the things you've done, for who you are, in fact, that's where shame really comes home to roost. It's when it's not just about what you've done or what you've said or what you've thought, but who you are. And you can't escape it. Shame is powerful. Reproach is powerful. It leads people to give up, to throw up their arms altogether, to sell out, to abandon their hope, to abandon their God. Reproach can only be endured by faith, by trusting in God's promises. Now, it's not always and not only people outside of you who hurl reproach at you, who say evil things about you, who look down on you because of your faith in God, but it comes even from within our own hearts. It's when your heart says to you, why would you trust in him? Why would you listen to him? Your heart says, like the people of Israel did when they came out of Egypt, he's brought you out here just to make you miserable. He's told you these commandments. He's led you to trust in his promises just because he wants to make a fool of you. That's what your heart so gladly says, hurling reproach at you. To suffer reproach is miserable. And that's why Elizabeth rejoiced. Because at long last, her name had been fulfilled. Zechariah's name had been fulfilled. The Lord remembered For God had sworn an oath, and now he was keeping his promise. But today is a little bit different. Today's lesson is quite different, in fact. After all, what God is doing for Mary is not taking away reproach. In fact, he seems to be piling it on. You can imagine, as the angel is describing to Mary what is about to happen, the child that she is to bear, you can imagine the kinds of thoughts that will be swirling in her head. So the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. And she thinks to herself, How can I not but be afraid? There's an angel standing in my bedroom, the Lord's mighty one. You have found favor with God. That sounds wonderful. But you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. What will people say? I'm a virgin, betrothed to a man, and I'm going to be with child? What will they say about me? And that child, you will call his name Jesus, which means God saves. But what will they say about him? In fact, they do. The Jews, when they are picking on Jesus, say things like, we know who our father was. What about yours? What will they say about him? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. But where is God now as he's piling on? as he's increasing my reproach. What am I going to do with this news? How is this good news? How is God showing me favor now? The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. What good is that throne when you're an illegitimate son, when everyone's going to despise you, when everyone is going to think that your mother was a woman of ill repute? He will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. Well, a lot of good that does if his kingdom never begins. Mary could have been in despair. God is not taking away reproach. When he sends his angel Gabriel, he's piling on. He's adding to her reproach. He's putting reproach where there was no reproach. She would have every reason to despair. And that is why at the end of the day, you should take Mary as your model for everything in life. Listen to what she says. Listen again. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
She doesn't want to give voice to any of the possible doubts that she could have entertained. She doesn't want to give voice to any concern about how this is going to change her life. She simply asks, how can this be possible? I'm not married. And Gabriel explains, the Holy Spirit will take care of it. And Mary says, okay, let it be to me according to your word. She shows us the only way, the only way that you can bear the reproach that comes from being a Christian. It is by faith. It is by trusting God's promises. She could have thrown up her arms in despair. In fact, what Joseph plans next is to divorce her quietly. Being a just man, he doesn't want to add to her shame already. He plans to leave her. She could have thrown up her hands in disgust and said, what does any of this have to do with me? And yet, she simply says, let it be to me according to your word. We think in this life so often, Christians especially, tend to think that this life consists of avoiding shame, avoiding reproach, avoiding disgrace. Now, of course, there are all kinds of disgraceful things, shameful things that you should be ashamed of. Sin and wickedness and breaking God's commandments. But being a child of God, having been shown favor by God, that's not something that anyone should be ashamed of. And when the, hurl, when the world hurls reproach at you, when your own heart rejects what God is giving to you, do not listen. The goal is not to avoid reproach, but in fact, to hear what God says, what Jesus says when he speaks to his disciples, he says, blessed are you when all men speak evil of you. When everyone looks at you and says, that guy is out of his mind for trusting in God, then, then you are blessed. When your heart says, sort of as Mary does, how can this possibly be, then, then you are blessed because you have reckoned with the fact that God means to do impossible things among you. That God means to do an impossible thing with your heart. To take it out of darkness and into light, from death and into life. After all, you have the same kind of reproach to endure in this world, the same kind of reproach as Mary. Although you do not bear the Son of God in your womb, nonetheless, you carry Jesus with you in your hearts. And so when you suffer reproach, it is not accidental. When you are disgraced or ashamed because the world looks at you and thinks that you're foolish, it's not accidental. It's not just some side effect of being a Christian, but it is because, in fact, Jesus is within you, because you bear in yourself the very Son of God. And that is why it is good. That's why Jesus can look at you and he can say, blessed are you, when you hear all kinds of murmurings, when you hear what the world says about you, when you listen to your own heart and you have to tell it to be quiet, blessed are you, because now you are learning faith. Now you are learning to trust in me. And that trust is not put to shame. After all, God does not intend to leave you in that condition of shameful folly, according to the world. He does not mean to leave you with faith never resolved. Instead, he intends to give you sight, to show you the deliverance of all of his promises. That's why the resolution of reproach is not just that it goes away. It's not just that people change their minds or they stop their murmuring or you soften your heart, you quiet it down a little bit, but the end of reproach, the resolution of reproach is this, that God vindicates you, that he proves your faith was good, was righteous, was true, was founded in something certain and not something that would fade away.
on the last day when you stand before God's throne and he looks at you and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. When he says to you, you've trusted in my promises and here now you may enter into my kingdom. On that day, all of the reproach that you've endured, all of the murmuring, all of the whispering, all of the doubt, all of the uncertainty will all have been worth it. Because you will see before your very eyes everything that God has promised you. Everything that he is in store for you, everything that he's working for now, everything that he's building for you in eternity, it will all be there and you will be vindicated. It will be glorious, just as Mary was vindicated, even though she stood at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus pierced with a spear. She watched her own son hurled into the grave. She watched that with her very own eyes, and yet even she was vindicated. Blessed are you among women, for you have found favor with God. Let her words be ours, now and always. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Put your trust in God. He is good, and he loves you more than you can know. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.